Hey folks, the politically charged legal news just keeps coming. After laying low for a few weeks, Attorney General Bill Barr resurfaced last Tuesday, saying in an interview that DOJ had not found evidence of widespread election fraud that could alter the results of the election, much to the chagrin of President Trump and his legal team. Meanwhile, Barr also revealed that before the election, he appointed U.S. Attorney John Durham as special counsel to investigate the origins of the Russia probe, a move that could shield Durham from being fired by the incoming Biden administration. And unsealed court documents reveal that DOJ is investigating a potential bribery for pardon scheme reportedly involving a top GOP donor and an attorney with close ties to the White House. Ann Milgram and I discuss all this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. College students with a valid.edu email can head to cafe.com slash student and sign up at a lower rate. Again, that's cafe.com slash student. We look forward to having you as part of the insider community. And one programming note, I'll be joined by my friend Bill Browder, the investor and human rights activist, this Thursday, December 10th at 5 p.m. Eastern. To sign up to join that special Zoom conversation, head to cafe.com slash preet. So as I said before, Bill Barr did a couple of things. There were these statements about the election, but he did something else that probably is more pleasing to the president and his allies. Yeah, this is this is a fascinating um, thing for us to talk about. He appointed John Durham, the Connecticut U.S. attorney, who's been doing this investigation into the 2016 initiation of the investigation into the Trump campaign. John Durham, he's made into a special counsel. And so we got a question from Melissa in NYC. Preet Nan just saw the news about Barr appointing Durham as special counsel. What is significant about the position of special counsel? Does this mean he'll have free reign to investigate in the Biden administration? Is it an open hunting license? Thanks for everything you do, Melissa. Yeah, so look, a lot of people are asking this question about what this means. First, we should say, it's interesting, the timing of this, right? This appointment of the special counsel was made not at the time that this announcement was made, but it was done a few weeks before the election. And secrecy was maintained, according to Bill Barr, for purposes of not trying to affect the election in any way. In fact, he explicitly says that. In Barr's memo to Congress from December 1st, he says, I'm providing this notification pursuant to a particular regulation having previously determined that it was in the public interest to toll notification given the proximity to the presidential election. So he did this before the election, before we knew what the results were going to be, in an effort to insulate John Durham's investigation if there was going to be a Biden administration. By the way, it also shows that he wasn't expecting Trump to win. It's not the kind of thing you do if you have great confidence that there's going to be a second Trump term, right? So just to take one slight step back and and read the memo, Barr used, Barr has to tell Congress that he's making this appointment. So Barr writes in a memo to Congress, um, on May 13th, 2019, I directed John Durham, U.S. Attorney for the District of Connecticut, to investigate certain intelligence and law enforcement activities surrounding the 2016 presidential election. And then he goes on to say he thought Durham would be done by 
by the summer of 2020, but COVID-19 and other for and for other reasons, he hasn't finished yet. And so what Barr writes is, in advance of the presidential election, I decided to appoint Mr. Durham as a special counsel to provide him and his team with the assurance that they could complete their work without regard to the outcome of the election. One of the things that's really interesting about this, and you know, I'll just sort of float a theory to you, Preet, is that Durham is doing this investigation. You know, my personal view is that there's not likely a lot there because it's gone on for a long time. We're now talking about, you know, an investigation that's gone on for more than a year. And I've completed entire internal investigations into massive organizations and um, far less time during the pandemic than than this took place. And so I'm not I'm not being insensitive to to the complications here with this type of investigation and potential international components, but it's just a long time. They took one plea, remember, from the FBI lawyer, but it was a, a pretty small charge and allegation that he'd lied in an email. And now you have this sort of timeline of events where Durham is clearly not done. We recall that in September, um, sort of early mid-September, Durham's deputy in that probe, in his probe, Nora Dennehy, resigned. At the time, it was reported, and again, she's Dennehy has never made a statement about this, but it was reported that she resigned because there was a lot of pressure on Durham and his team to put out an, quote, interim report, like a sort of middle report before the end of the investigation was completed. Um, that would have been deeply unusual. I mean, again, you know, criminal Investigations, you usually bring charges and not reports. But even if you're going to do a report, the idea of doing an interim report right in the lead up to a presidential election, you know, September being so close to um, the November election, Nora Dennehy resigned. And so you remember you and I talked a lot at the time that it really, it really stopped in, in our view, I think, John Durham from being able to issue that interim report, because now there would have been an allegation of, of pure political corruption, right? That you have a lifetime, longstanding woman who is very highly respected, has done a lot of political corruption cases, who basically steps out of the department, again, based on public reporting, because she wasn't comfortable with where this was going. And I think it not only tied Durham's hand, I think it also tied Barr's hand, because Durham may have been unwilling to issue the report prior to the election, given, you know, Dennehy resigning basically put even more pressure on him. And so this looks to me like Barr's effort to have it continue. And the only other option for them, if if Barr was insistent on getting it out, would have been for it to have been done now, but it was clearly always going to be an, an interim report. So this, I don't know what you think, but it feels to me like, I mean, there's a lot of politics in this and we should unpack even the way Barr did it is very unusual. But what do you think is what do you think is happening here? I don't think it's a sop to the president that it's imp- it was important to the president for there to be this investigation. He really wanted there to be something damaging to his adversaries and potentially could be pinned on Biden and Obama beyond just that you know mid level lawyer being charged from the FBI. This is a way of putting a marker down, and it was within his authority to do it. You know, we, we can talk about the way he did it, and I, I want to do it in a way that doesn't get too in the weeds and parsing the various regulations. So John Durham was made a special counsel. And so one might ask, well, what does that mean? And depending on your view of, of which regulations apply to him, he is less able to be fired by the next attorney general, right? The point clearly was to give Durham some protection in the same way that Mueller had a certain kind of protection from being fired without cause, elevating him from just a person who was 
you know, sort of informally appointed to look at something and then elevating that person to special counsel. Now, the weird thing that lawyers have been debating on social media and elsewhere is whether it was a proper appointment because one of the regulations that seems to be applicable to making someone a special counsel sets forth pretty clearly that a special counsel must come from outside of the government. Robert Mueller was in private practice when he was named special counsel, so he was appointed from outside the government. However, even in the Mueller case, and certainly in this case, it seems that what has, has gone on is, is not an appointment based on the special counsel regulation. I, I'm already getting in the weeds here. I can, I, can, I can feel it. But rather, that Bill Barr used his general statutory authority to make this person special counsel and then said, well, certain special counsel regulations that are written down elsewhere, I'm going to say they apply to this special counsel. Most notably, a regulation 600.7, section 600.7, that says, quote, the attorney general may remove a special counsel for misconduct, dereliction of duty, incapacity, conflict of interest, or for other good cause, including a violation of departmental policies. Clearly the reason to give him this, this different designation was to apply that standard so that it's not so easy for the new guy to come in and get rid of them. Now, there are some other folks who are saying that because he bypassed the outside of government qualification uh, criteria, the next attorney general probably has the ability, according to some folks, to just rescind the order and do whatever they want. I don't know if, it, I don't know if it's worth continuing the discussion. Clearly, the intent was to give him up for protection. Does he have it? I'm not positive he does. I mean, I think Melissa is asking the right question with her with her writing question to us because I think a couple of things. One is, you know, it's not really clear from Barr's memo to Congress what the scope of Durham's authority is. And so I, I do think, you know, is this something that can go on um, forever and sort of pivot to do other investigations in the Biden administration? I don't believe so. I believe it's narrowly focused, or at least it appears to be focused on the 2016 investigation. And, and so I think I, I'm less concerned about about that sprawl than I am about the fact that it's a very difficult position to put the new AG in also and the president in because John Durham is the Connecticut U.S. attorney. And what, what happens to U.S. attorneys usually when the president from another party comes in, pre, like the common practice is? Well, sometimes you get asked to stay and then you get fired later. Right. Okay. You're not. The <laughs> I'm sorry. I asked the wrong person for the. Sometimes it's my parents' wedding anniversary and you bring up this issue. Thanks. So, Thanks, Ann Milgram. Okay. But the standard practice, which hasn't always been followed, what usually happens when the president of one political party is leaving office and, and a president from a, the other political party is coming in is that the U.S. attorneys, they leave. Um, Sometimes the president will ask for resignations of all the U.S. attorneys, but but as a rule, there's this transition, and it's a political transition that the president, you, the new president, usually within the first sort of six months or so, will appoint a new U.S. attorney of their political party or someone that they they believe um, should be in that job. So it is very likely, I think, that Durham would have either left on his own or have been asked to leave at some point as part of a 
broader ask for the resignations of the U.S. attorneys who hadn't already departed their offices. And it, it just, it puts the sort of incoming administration, I think, in a, in a difficult bind. Do you leave Dorman as U.S. attorney in Connecticut? Do you, and, and do you take him out of that job, put him back as sort of a line attorney and let him do this, um, this job? You know, I've, I've read, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. I've read the commentary on um, Twitter and other, other websites about, you know, Barr did this in a really sort of improper way, and therefore the it it can be removed and, and Durham can be taken out. I think even if that's true, I think that there's a different question, which is, you know, I think the Biden administration is put in a very difficult position to take out someone um, who ostensibly has been asked to do an investigation who who you and I, as a rule, would want to presume would follow the facts and the laws and the evidence and do that investigation. Yeah, I mean, the, there's two kinds of protection that get accorded to someone like Bob Mueller or John Durham when a special counsel designation gets made, right? One is, do they have the actual protection of a statute or a regulation that's enforceable and that Congress can, can hold them to account for? And the second, as is often the case, and maybe it's even the more powerful one, is political protection. You know, that's why you have a term of 10 years for FBI directors some insul- or, and for inspectors general. You know, this President Trump, has observed some of those political rules of gravity, uh, but sometimes not. So he has fired inspectors general left and right earlier this year, in the spring and the summer, when that's a very atypical thing to do. And he didn't care about the political fallout because he doesn't, he just doesn't care about those things. He doesn't like inspectors general. On the other hand, he actually never did fire Bob Mueller, even though he wanted to. He tried to get other people to do it and they refused. You know, the president still could have made that attempt and he didn't. And so I think what Barr is counting on, and I think you've hit on it perfectly, is that whether or not there's some technical argument to be made about the appointment. And by the way, I, I don't necessarily agree with those who think this was a wholly improper appointment. It's been done before. I think there was a similar kind of appointment of Pat Fitzgerald back when when Jim Comey was the acting attorney general on the Valerie Plame, you know, outing issue some years ago. And that was not, and Pat Fitzgerald was the sitting U.S. attorney in Chicago. He was not outside the government. So you know, there are other examples of this of the type that we might like. And so we got to remember that when we when we criticize something. But separate and apart from whether or not there's a technical legal argument, I think, yeah, there's some pressure based on norms that you don't, without good cause, fire a special counsel. And when Biden comes in, I think you're going to see a bit of a return to norms. I agree with that. I also would just note that there was a part of me that sort of watched this whole thing go down and watched, you know, Senator Graham came out very strongly in support of um, Attorney General Barr's decision to do this. And it was just this moment of of thinking, gosh, what, what must Robert Mueller think of this? Because, I mean, they literally attacked the idea of a special counsel, a lot of members of the sort of Trump administration grouping. I mean, obviously, Rod Rosenstein had made that decision. He was the one to appoint um, Mueller, and he was the deputy AG at the time. But it really, there, there were persistent attacks on the special counsel and the scope of this special counsel's um, authority. And as I watched this, I thought, oh, the special counsel is, you know, it's bad until it's good, right? Until it's good because it, it can be beneficial to President Trump. So there's one more thing that may have fallen under the radar for some folks, but I think it's important. I don't want it to get lost because it has echoes of a prior scandal at the Justice Department. The AP and some other outlets reported last week that there was a, a person who was installed in the Justice Department. 
Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. Interested students with a valid.edu email can head to cafe.com slash student. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.